Tammy from Tea with Tammy here. And you know a movie sucks that for some reason gets so much praise in the black community? That's Jason's lyric. That movie is trash. You can fight me, you can at me, but the acting in that movie is trash, fam. In continuation of last week's episode, let's talk a bit more about Black love. In this show, we're going to chat about the heartbreak that we're enduring from the season finale of Insecure, great movies from our time that display Black love so perfectly, and the internal conflict of valuing Black love but dating interracially. But first, you know we got to sip some tea. This week's tea is basic ass Arizona tea in peach flavor. And I will be real, I did not taste not one hint of peach flavor, but it's cool because Arizona is always gonna be A1. Okay, I love sipping tea, you know I do, but I am not sorry to say that I am way more interested in spilling tea on the HBO show and finale of Insecure. And I will warn you, you are now entering spoiler territory. So if for whatever reason you haven't been able to watch the finale or any episode for that matter, you should probably just go ahead and sit this episode out. I'll go ahead and take that L, I'll take that loss, and get that one less listen because there's gonna be some spoilers. We're gonna talk about Insecure in depth. So let me let me allow you to um, go ahead and stop this and choose another podcast. My feelings are not hurt. All right, so Insecure is the product of genius minds Issa Rae and Larry Wilmore and as mentioned in a past episode I am a huge fan of Issa from Fly Guys, Awkward Black Girl to her book Misadventures of an Awkward Black Girl. Insecure now fills a void on television of black authenticity. Although we already have great shows like Power and Empire, shows like Atlanta, Queen Sugar, and now Insecure are repping for the everyday melanin. And that is us. Because you know damn well, or at least the majority of us, are not a part of that Empire Power lifestyle. I'm more of an Atlanta, Queen Sugar, Insecure lifestyle, if you, if you get my drift. I'm more of the girl next door instead of the the cookie monster on uh <laughs> on on Empire. I'm just not wearing fur coats and eight inch heels. That's just not me. But to do a quick recap on the show, Issa is a eclectic, humorous, ride or die chick who is needing more out of her relationship on the show Insecure. Her boyfriend for years, Lawrence, unfortunately doesn't have a job, spends his time trying to lift his self-made app off the ground. 
and feeling stagnant and witnessing her best friend Molly jump from guy to guy, Issa cheats on her man with an old friend, Daniel, who <laughs> is all kinds of fine, I may add. Woo, he was looking all types of good. But of course, what's done in the dark comes to light and shit of course hits the fan causing tension between Molly and Issa's friendship and Lawrence breaking things off with Issa. Which leads right into the season finale that aired this past Sunday, which by the way was an emotional roller coaster. I laughed, got angry, was disappointed, and cried. I laughed because watching Issa and her girls all read each other was exactly what I was needing. <laughs> On top of Molly and her high standard yet hoish ways needing to be set straight, Issa's two other friends that she has, Tiffany and Kelly, were needing a reality check too. It actually reminded me of an episode of the HBO show Girls where they actually all go in on each other as well on a girl's trip, which is very similar to this episode of the season finale of Insecure. But of course, this was actually the black girl magic version, which I would think is the better version. But you know, I'm a black girl of myself, so uh, I'm a little bit biased. Continuing with the different emotions in the show, though, I, I got angry because, man, I was hating Molly. Molly, her best friend, was being extremely cold towards Issa due to their recent argument where Issa loosely suggests that Molly should go to therapy for her can't keep a nigga antics. But in Issa's defense, it was all warranted. Molly was acting reckless blaming the world, and low-key acting extra at Issa's youth donation event. So all that was said to Molly in their argument was justified. Molly should have been the last person with an attitude. And side note, Molly keeps getting a lot of comparisons to Tony from the show Girlfriends, and I really do not see the character comparison. Besides being young, black, and a business professional, their actions would actually be completely different in the insecure storyline. You know damn well that Tony from Girlfriends would never tell Issa not to tell Lawrence she cheated. Tony is definitely more of a goody two-shoes person um, compared to Molly, but I, I digress. So in addition to laughing and getting angry, um, if you're a member of the Unpopular Opinion Club like myself, you may have also been disappointed mostly towards Lawrence, but not in the way that you're probably expecting. Um, after getting cheated on, Lawrence is trying to, I really don't know, prove something to himself, his friends, society, I really don't know who, but he is just out in the streets moving like a savage, knowing damn well that is not the guy he is. After finding out Issa cheated and, you know, storming out and breaking things off with her, he is getting private dances from strippers, he moved his clothes out of Issa's apartment, and he slept with that random ass bank teller that he was friends with. And I'm not gonna lie, it broke my heart to see that. Um, 
Lawrence was my dude and to see him do that it really hurt and I know I know I know Issa was the one that cheated but to play a quick devil's advocate because that is just who I am Issa held that man down for years he is a man who had no job on her couch and a man who put no effort into her birthday turn up yeah no effort and did I mention that he had no job that seems to be the thing that Team Lawrence on Twitter seems to always forget about. Yeah, he's sweet. Yeah, he's charming. Yeah, he he low-key fine. But he had no job. <laughs> and he was staying in her apartment. So for me to be holding you down for years and you're not putting anything into this that we have going on, boy, I'm not saying cheating is justified, but damn, can you blame her? I know that's a very unpopular opinion, but hey, shout out to Team Issa because although Lawrence is, you know, just playing the game by sleeping with that bank teller, it's still not the right way to go about things. Revenge sex is, in my opinion, a fuckboy thing to do. What Lawrence should have done is put his big boy pants on and had a conversation with Issa. And that leads into why... There were tears as well watching the finale of Insecure. In the final scene of the episode, um, Issa comes home to Lawrence's apartment keys on the counter and his clothes or his clothes are cleaned out from her closet and she's just left there feeling lonely as hell sobbing on their their old couch oh I'm sorry excuse me their old bouch and, and she's just crying in Molly's lap. And this is a moment for, for Molly to become a, a decent human being again in my eyes, um, just by being a good friend and being there for Issa because that whole episode, I was not feeling her because she was just creating more tension in their friendship, but she put that aside and she was actually there for her friends. So kudos to Molly because I was really on the hate train for a minute. But focusing on the forest rather than the trees right now, the show is life. It has hilarious dialogue. It has relevant music. It has great intense sex scenes. And of course, blackness, which is my fave. So if you, for whatever reason, um, have not seen it, I urge you to. Oh, and before I move on, can I just share just one more, just one more unpopular opinion? Issa did not have to play Daniel like that. Um, Issa realized she made a mistake by sleeping with Daniel and she knew that Lawrence was then the one for her, but she dismissed Daniel like he was just a random. And to me, that was not a smart thing to do. See me, I knew that her and Lawrence would go through a rough patch due to her cheating. And and now she doesn't even have a fallback nigga to fall back on. And look at her now, just lonely as ever, crying on a bouch in Molly's lap. She was trying to act all bold by choosing Lawrence, not realizing that what's done in the dark always comes to light. All right, all right. So let's go ahead and exit spoiler territory. But um, again, if you're one that hasn't seen the show, I definitely encourage you to do so because the show is phenomenal. 
Moving on, uh, real quick, let's just chat about some recently released music. One being the newest project from The Weeknd titled Starboy. And please don't come for me when I say this, but I originally avoided the album. To be honest, hearing 18 tracks from The Weeknd did not seem appealing in any way, mostly because The Weeknd can sometimes, and I said sometimes, put me to sleep. But this time around, he certainly did not. The Weeknd gave us fun, smooth, alternative, and just overall art. And although I'm not really um, into rating things, I'll just go ahead and say um, I'm more of a, a pass-fail type of person. So Starboy passes the test. Definitely listen to that album. It's a good listen all the way through, through all 18 tracks, which is a hard thing to really accomplish for an artist. And the other project I want to discuss is the new Bruno Mars album, 24 Karat Magic. This album is is amazingly beautiful and nostalgic. It's just everything that the game was needing. And similar to The Weeknd, these two artists are really, are really feeling a space in music and, and radio play and just in the culture in general that we've been missing. We, we needed this sound. It, it's like they've been the reincarnated sound of Michael Jackson, but in two completely different ways. It's it's kind of weird because The Weeknd and Bruno Mars sound completely different to me, but they both pull from Michael so much that makes them comparable, if that makes sense. But 24 Karat Magic has, you know, smooth, groovy, funky, fun, love-making music that almost seems timeless to me. Even though it could be a little bit um, corny with some lyrics, it's fun. It makes you laugh. It makes you smile. It makes you dance. And it makes you just want to cuddle too. So it has everything when it comes to that sound that he is feeding into. And when I say that sound, you will know exactly what I mean when you listen to it. I will say that my favorite song on that album is track number four. That's what I like. Um, it's been on repeat since I've copped the album. This is again another pass when it comes to music projects. So definitely listen to it. It's only nine tracks. It's a quick listen and it's a quick listen that's well worth it. Getting back into black love, let's discuss some great black love movies that have shaped the tone of black movies in general, as well as black people and their relationships in society. One movie that I can immediately think of off top, it's also my favorite movie, and that is Love and Basketball. You cannot deny the amazingness and the the love between those two of Monica and Q in that movie. Oh, my eyes water just thinking about the movie. But seriously though, that movie is a great movie. It has great music, has great dialogue, and it's real as hell to where 
we can all think about that one person where it's just like, damn, you let you let the one go and you kind of want to fight to have them back. I think um, we can all maybe think of someone that we've considered to try and fight back for or someone that you think what if and Monica had the balls to actually go get her man he was already taken she was like nah not in my house and she balled up and she she won his heart and that is a movie that will go down in history for black people I promise you another beautiful black movie that just displays black love oh so beautifully in a completely different way than love and basketball is love jones it is so poetic and it's so it's so soft and so and so easy going of a movie that you just you just sink into your couch and you just fall in love and you feel the pain you you feel the anger you you feel the artistry between the two lovers of of Nia Long and Lorenz Tate in the movie Nia Long being a photographer Lorenz Tate being a writer and poet and the two blend and mix so perfectly in this movie that it is my second favorite movie actually if you have not seen the movie Love Jones it is highly recommended even if you don't even like poetry or don't even like you know the artsy side of the movie it's so authentic and raw of a of a love story it may seem kind of plain and simple but it's real life and relationships happen every single day like this and it seems very relatable and to have that poetic tone to it just makes it that more beautiful okay so you can't mention black love movies without commenting on the best man that movie oh that movie is so good not because it has a hell of a cast but it displays black love in so many different ways and you actually get to see the viewpoint of of different types of love as well when it comes to um friendships as well as relationships so you get to see you know a handful of couples a handful of of different stories all tied together through a group of friends and you can kind of play that game of where you're watching a movie and you're just like what character do you resonate the most with and I definitely encourage you to um, watch it if you haven't done so, but re-watch it if you have already done so and go back and, and find a character that you resonate with just because it allows you to kind of grow as a person um, as you watch the movie. You, you pick that character and you're saying, okay, they have these faults and these flaws and these characteristics that are similar to me, but how did they grow by the time they ended that movie? And you can see yourself, you know, possibly growing maybe in the same way or, you know, just taking some bits and pieces or just enjoying the entertainment of the movie. But either way, that movie is amazing with that star-studded, beautiful Black Magic cast. The last movie that I'll go ahead and mention, even though I know there's 
a ton of more black movies out there. These just happen to be my faves and movies that I grew up with in my household that have really have really resonated with me. But the last movie I want to touch on is the movie Inkwell. This movie doesn't get that much praise or shine I feel like in the black community but it's it's really a good movie it's a bit different it could be a bit weird because um Lorenz Tate's uh character he has a doll that he occasionally talks to and confides to so that can be a bit different when it comes to um you know, just gender roles and, um, you know, your masculinity being a little bit too sensitive, but it's a really good story of, you know, liking someone that, um, may be using you, um, you know, liking someone that is out of, outside your, your age range, liking someone that is from a different walk of life, uh, who enjoys different things who has a more outgoing personality or a more low-key personality. And so it's it's really allows you to think outside the box when it comes to Black love and Black characteristics and personalities. Like I already mentioned, it could be a bit odd, but it actually um, plays into what makes this movie so great. And so if you appreciate quirks and, you know, just different things about movies and things that aren't typically compared to other things and you will definitely enjoy this movie especially since you get to watch fine ass Lawrence Tate and fine ass Jada Pickett Smith and fine ass Morris Chestnut damn you're gonna watch a lot of fine ass people throughout these movies but let me calm down. Let, let me take it down a notch. I'm getting a little hot and bothered thinking about all these beautiful black actors and actresses. Let me just take a minute and sip some tea. This basic ass Arizona peach head ass drink. <sighs> okay, so before I end the show, let's talk about something a bit more serious and, you know, can be a bit more applied to our, our real lives or everyday lives or maybe someone you know. And that is experiencing the internal conflict of loving black love, but dating interracially. This speaks to me very highly because as you already know, I mentioned in my last episode that I'm a person who's had majority interracial relationships. But as you can tell, I... I very much value and appreciate black love as well. I have a black mom and I have a black dad, but I also have a white stepmom and a mixed half sister. And so I appreciate all types of love, I should say. But here's where the internal conflict can can resonate or can evolve from. And of course, I'm speaking from my experiences, but I also know some other people who have had these these same thoughts. So if you maybe have had these thoughts before, you are not alone. On one side, you may feel this internal conflict of dating interracially because your self-doubt. Of course, there's... There's going to be people who don't approve of your dating outside of your race. And this is nothing new. 
you would think by now this would be something that is fully accepted, but we're always going to have those people who look down on others who are doing something different. And so you may have that self-doubt, but on top of that self-doubt from, you know, an outside viewpoint of others not approving of what you're doing and who you love, you may also have this self-doubt in this internal conflict from having maybe a possible fetishization towards the situation at whole. I know some people who get lost in the sauce and get mixed up in the game, you know, fetishing, um, potentially having a mixed baby or, you know, wanting um, a, a particular type of man that they're just so fixated on wanting that that certain thing that they're missing the whole point of the relationship and not a really not really enjoying the love in the relationship they're so caught up on in the memes and getting themselves a a a tyler versus a tyrone because they want to have you know a baby with quote-unquote good hair or you know freckles or colored eyes or something like that or you're you might be getting lost in the sauce because you're feeding into um someone outside of your race fetishizing you and you know putting these these stereotypes on you of being exotic or comparing you to other brown things like chocolate and other black stars that they only know from movies. Instead of actually getting to know you as a person, they only like the idea of you. And then of course you also have the internal conflict of feeling that you're not keeping possibly your your bloodline pure, as some may say, or strive to do. And I completely understand someone's thought process or wants to to want to do that, to say that I am a black woman and I need to date a black man because that's the type of relationship I need to have because that was the household I was brought into. I get it. That's how you were raised. That's how you feel like love should come for you. But I'm the type of person, I I can't deny um, feelings or potential love towards someone that's outside of my race because, you know, I feel that I, I need to date a black man that I can't do that. And so that can be another internal conflict of feeling that you may be letting your your family tree down or, you know, um, your immediate family down as for dating outside of your race. But you really have to do what's what's best for you. You can still value Black love, appreciate Black love, and come from Black love, but actually date outside of your race and things work out beautifully because there's always the other side of the coin and there's always the 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 bigger picture because some will say that you know dating interracially isn't adding to your culture but possibly taking away but i completely disagree i love having the idea of having a mixed family because in in a way it feels liberating as does black love but in a different way it can feel liberating because it's a learning experience dating someone who has different 
you know, family values and, and culture upbringings can allow you and your cultural awareness grow so much in, in life in general, um, outside of that relationship. Things may not even work out with that person, but the things you've learned from their culture, their background, their assets, really, you can carry with you. So yes, I am here to say that there is going to be internal conflict dating interracially if you're someone who appreciates and values and comes from black love. But just know that if you if you come across someone who is outside of your race and you're vibing, you chilling, you liking them, explore it. Don't feel intimidated. Don't feel... I'm pressured to not do it because like I said, it's a liberating feeling as is dating within your race, but in a different way. And I feel like it's a different thing that everyone should experience. It's it's nice to be outside the box, even if it doesn't work out. Everything is a learning experience. Well, I think that concludes this episode. It's been fun talking about my heartbreak of the insecure finale, um, interracial dating, and of course, reviewing some music with you all. We only have a few more episodes left. Again, episode 20 is the finale of season one of Tea with Tammy. I look forward to it, not in a way that I'm, I'm happy that things are ending, but it's a celebration that we did it. This has been a long time coming, and it's actually a lot simpler than... I anticipated because we just talking like it's you and me. But as usual, you know, I got a plug. Listen to Tea with Tammy Sound Volume 20, soundcloud.com slash tea with Tammy, tea with Tammy.net. Twitter handle is tea with Tammy. Instagram handle is tea with Tammy. Facebook name is tea with Tammy. YouTube name is tea with Tammy. And LinkedIn name is T with Tammy, gang, 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 T with Tammy on the internet. Google me. And until next episode, you better sip some tea.